Welcome everyone to this episode of Palmetto Guardian. Today we talk about trick-or-treating and chaplains. Welcome everyone, I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And we are... (laughs) We are... Confused. Confused. (laughs) Um, We're a week or so out from Halloween. Yeah. Um, not too too much farther if you if you celebrate Halloween if that's your thing. Um always one of my favorite holidays. Why is it one of your favorite favorite holidays? I mean you get because op- you get to dress up as something you're not? Well no, you get to scare people. Oh, yeah. Um my my brothers and I when we were growing up, that was a huge thing. We didn't even care about necessarily I mean trick or treating was fun, but it's more fun to sit at the house and wait for trick-or-treaters, <laughs> hide under cars and, and things like that, and scare the mess out of people, but uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's just, it's just a, I don't know, it's kind of a relaxed holiday. Yeah. I mean, it can get kind of busy, but for the most part, you know, throw on some makeup, something weird, go walk around, get free food. Yeah. I mean. Free sugar. Free sugar. Um, with that being mind, keep keep in mind, parents, uh, if, if you are taking your children out trick-or-treating um make sure you got you know if you're doing it at nighttime if you're not doing like a trunk or treat or something like that make sure you got lights neon on them reflective vests whatever to keep them safe and then you know it's still a thing you gotta check the candy mm-hmm. we do it every year you know get back you dump it um you know go through it if anything's remotely sealed broke on it or anything like that it gets insta trashed um, and make sure that you take out all your favorite candy before you give it back, right? <laughs> See, I don't even have to trick or treat anymore because, oddly enough, my son doesn't like a whole lot of candies. Really? Yeah, he'll pick out like one or two things. Like he likes the bubble gum <clears throat> and a couple of the suckers, but all the chocolate stuff he doesn't like. He doesn't like the Reese's cups. Is he even related to you? No, I don't know. <laughs> so we're like, well, like me and my wife are like, oh, what'd you bring back for us this year? <laughs> um, oddly enough, though, you know my. My family, we can't we can't leave any holiday just normal, whatever. Um, my mom has to go all out, so we wind up going over to her house and we make homemade pizzas. Didn't you talk about that like over another holiday? Yeah, well, no, no, no. Yeah, we 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 do homemade pizzas like twice a year. Yeah, I remember you saying that one yeah. other time we were talking about something. Yeah. They uh they break out the brick oven. And we, we churn homemade pizzas out, and usually I run a golf cart because I'm lazy now. I'm not refuse <laughs> to walk. Um, but, uh, yeah, we just, you know, we ride around the golf cart. We decorate the golf cart up. We usually have a herd of youngins with us, and we roll through, and then there's a couple families because we've been doing it for so many years. There's a couple families over there by my mom's house that hooks up with us. And so we have, like, this huge – Mass entourage, like, <laughs> we're here for your candy. <laughs> Trick or treat, nothing. Put it on the porch and walk away. Um, but, uh, yeah, every, every, you know, a lot of, lot of fun, a lot of good good times with it. But, you know, safety still a... Yes, definitely. ...is a big thing. Uh, especially, you know, obviously there's a risk during daytime or before the sun goes down. But once the sun goes down and, and people are moving around, it's, it's a whole other issue. So... Yeah. Take time to be safe. Does uh, Little have a uh, costume picked out yet, or does he not know what he wants to be? I actually, we went and got it last night. Oh, really? Yeah, we went and got it last night. Um, uh, whew, it's it's it. <laughs> shopping costumes like gives me indigestion, heartburn, and panic <laughs> all at the same time. He's like, "Oh, that's cool," and I'm like, "Yeah, it is pretty cool." And then I looked down at the price tag, and I was like, "Nah." That's not. That's cool. why you got to go homemade. It's always fun to, whenever you homemade your your costumes. Oh, my, my son don't like to homemade his cereal. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> if he could bring somebody in to pour the cereal and the milk, good. Um, no, actually, we got some makeup and stuff this year because uh, he's actually never done like a makeup costume. Uh-huh. He's always just kind of had pre built stuff, no face paint or anything like that. So uh, we got some no eyes. Things that black out your eyes, basically. Looks like huh. your eyes have been removed. Um, <laughs> that's the only way I know how to put so it. So what exactly is his character? Though? I have no clue what his character oh, he's is. he's just but, making it but up. But it's glow-in-the-dark face paint with no eyes. And mm-hmm. and he, he wants to, to carry some kind of staff. Hmm. Of Interesting. Some 
um, which he picked out of staff, which I immediately panicked after I turned around, saw the price tag, and I'm like, real, real canes don't cost that much, man, you know? I was like, there's woods right behind the house. We will go trim you down a hickory tree or something. Like, but, uh, but no, no, you know, he, he, he still likes it. Him and his buddy in the neighborhood, they'll go trick-or-treat early in the afternoon before before we head over to mom's and stuff. So he still, you know, he still likes it. He still digs it. Of course, he's always like, Mom, Dad, what are y'all going to be? And, and like, y'all are like, Mom, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, I like dressing up for Halloween. Yeah. And, and we did up until a few years ago. But uh, uh, we used to do family theme type stuff. Mm-hmm. Everybody was roughly in the same genre of costume. <laughs> um, but he's, he's gotten, he's, his last couple of costumes have just been weird abstract things. Like he was a shadow ghoul and... Uh, I don't even know what that is. It exactly. sounds like it's from a video game or something. No, it's just like this black unitard suit thing with glowing eyes. Oh. Um, and then he did do a video game not too long ago. He did did a character from Overwatch. But he he actually looked pretty cool. We we took some of his Nerf guns that he doesn't use anymore and uh, painted them up to match the costume. Uh, and it looked cool. And I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know who I'd be from from that video game. I was like, I don't even really play it or know the <laughs> characters. I don't know what persona really fits me. Yeah. But yeah. So yeah, we, we, we've kicked back a little bit. And of course, God, you know, you buy him a costume. I buy a costume. Wife buy a costume. I know that's a lot of money. That's junk. Mm-hmm. Just for one day. Just for one day. We got some old stuff still, and you know we keep everything. Mm-hmm. You know we might break something out. You can just mix some stuff up and make your own uh, I, characters. I'm thinking we have a, one of those blow up sumo suits. Oh my gosh, I have a funny story actually about okay. not a sumo <laughs> suit, but <laughs> <laughs> all right. So um, when I was, I don't remember if I was in high school or if I had graduated, but I worked at Sport Clips in Charleston as a receptionist. And every year for Halloween, we would dress up for all the different holidays. We would dress up for whatever the holiday was. And so I had a friend that had one of those blow up uh, horse suits. And then you get in it and it looks like you're riding the horse. Uh And I wore that to work. And all the kids that came in kept. They, they thought the horse was real and they wanted to pet the horse. And ever, like when I walked in the door, everybody was dying because it was like one of the best costumes. So <laughs> when you brought that up, that instantly made me think of that. <laughs> Your blow up horse costume. Yes. That's awesome. That's good stuff. Um, but I guess moving on from, from the holidays to, I guess, you know, you say it's a serious subject. I mean, what part of what they're here to talk about, but the, the, the chaplains are, are here with us t- today on this one. Um, I mean, what they have, some of the stuff they have to talk about is a serious subject, but chaplains are, uh, chaplains are just awesome. Yeah. I mean, they really are. I mean, that's the only way to explain. They do a lot for us, and it, they're more than just, I think people, when they hear chaplain, they instantly revert to religion, and they're not just, based from religion they're just they're basically counselors to be here to help us and they're held they're here to help facilitate whatever religion you know make sure that you can express your religious rights and stuff Mm -hmm. um but they 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 really are there um for a lot of people they're a touchstone um they're they're generally easy to go talk to um and like i said they're here for for a lot of guidance type things um uh kind of our our moral compass as it were yeah exactly that's uh, what i was gonna say yeah, I, I, <laughs> we've been hanging around each other for way too long i think i need to go talk you to need the a chaplain br- <laughs> you need a break i need a break it's time for vacations and stuff um but yeah so they're actually they're gonna they're gonna come talk to us to, today they're uh, a little bit about chaplain corps there's a uh, revitalization of a, a program mm-hmm. um, which i looked into it a little bit before they got here looks like it's going to be a super worthwhile program. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I definitely think anybody that would need that program would, would definitely check it out. It would be worth it. So, mm-hmm. so today we have Chaplain John Denny and Chaplain uh, Jason Strong, and they are the South Carolina National Guard full-time support chaplains. So welcome for being here today. Thank you. Yep, yep. Thanks for having us. So um, could you explain a little bit about the Chaplains Corps for us? Go ahead, Major. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing him under the bus already. <laughs> Absolutely. 
It's just the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the Chaplain Corps, and you can I know you'll fill in the blanks, Jason, because there'll be a lot of them. Uh, the Chaplain Corps is really, it's established for several reasons. One is to really help protect the command so we can provide free expression of religion. Um, so with our drill schedules, with, with uh, deployments, whatever it may be, uh, we are there to help the service members exercise their freedom of religion, regardless of denomination. When I deployed in 2011, 2012, we had a Wiccan in our ranks, and it was up to me to help them, since I couldn't necessarily perform that service because it goes against what, what my faith tradition says, I was able to provide that. So I was able to take them to a, um, to, to a Wiccan prayer circle on, on base at Fort Hood and to be able to help that person get their religious needs met. And for me, it was eye-opening. I had no idea what a Wiccan prayer circle was about, and it was, it was just it was neat for me to be able to see what that was, and so I could also then tell the command, hey, this is what it's about. So it was an opportunity for me to educate myself uh, a little bit more about what faiths are out there. So that, that's one thing. And then as far as the chaplain corps goes, uh, we really serve three functions as well, nurture the living, care for the wounded, and honor the fallen. And so those are the really the three tenets. If you were to boil it down into nine words, that's what it would be. And that, that's what our prayer and, and hope is, is that we can nurture the living. So the people that may be having issues, struggles, challenges, uh, whether they're people of faith or not, but we're there to help them through difficult times in life. Uh, and also help them celebrate victories, whether it's weddings, whether it's births, whether it's uh, monumental milestones in their life. We're here to help support that. And care for the wounded, obviously, hospital visits, uh, people that may have experienced uh, grief, sudden loss, trauma, that kind of stuff. And um, probably the most important thing we do is honor the fallen because you only get one chance at that. And it, it's something we don't take lightly is be able to provide and honor those people that, that have passed away, whether they deployed or not, what with the best possible honoring that, that we can and um that, that's something we take very seriously yeah so <clears throat> so about a month after the army was stood up the chaplain corps was stood up we're just that old uh as a corps and and, and you and, as a person and, and me as a corps yeah i was there uh george was a good friend of mine i was wondering who was going to take the opportunity <laughs> yeah, that. yeah i knew it shouldn't have been me yeah but i was hoping somebody would no it's it's just that old and and as chaplain denny said it's because the um, the protecting the, the 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 right of every person who serves our country to practice their faith was just that important to our founding fathers. Uh, they saw it as as critical uh, to the war fight in the revolution, and it continues to be viewed that way. Unlike what maybe others might think, the the chaplain corps, like other corps. We have Army regulation, too. Our regulation tells us, hey, what, what we're expected to do, what we're not to expected to do. One of those things that Chaplain Denny referred to were those core competencies of, you know, nurture the living, care for the wounded, honor the fallen. Um, but that also tells us that, you know, not only are we, do we belong to a commander to care for the soldiers, we're there on their behest to really carry out their religious program. Um, for the soldier. So we do that on behalf of the commander as part of the commander's special staff. But we also have responsibilities back to the commander. Um, we have responsibilities to advise the commander on issues of ethics and morals and morale and, uh, and to really speak uh, into, into the realm of leadership as well on all things relating to the impact of religion, whether it's upon the mission that we're doing as a unit or what we might encounter if we're downrange dealing with um, in a, uh, when we're exercising or carrying out a mission. What is the impact of religion? And so they really look to us for, as that subject matter expert, to give them, you know, good counsel, um, good direction so that Again, as a whole, we can continue to uh, to succeed as a people, personally, but also organizationally. Um, again, the Army 
recognizes that uh, the spiritual well-being of their soldiers is an essential component to a, a fit or a healthy soldier. That they would say uh, there's five different components that make up a, a fit soldier. And one of those components is spiritual. And so the chaplain corps is recognized by the Army as the one part that the, the, the SMEs to help really address that and bolster that. Because as we do that, as we have fit soldiers through and through, we'll have a resilient force and we'll have an effective force to really be able to accomplish what we're supposed to do. So, um, so that's some of who we are and, and what we do. And something of value that we bring is confidentiality. And when, when Jason's talking about uh, having a, a, an obligation to the commander, confidentiality is one thing that we have uh, that the commander cannot get from us. So while we may be advising them on the morale and welfare of the troops, he, we, we will not divulge anything that was told to us in confidence by a service member or another commander or, or whomever it may be. Uh, that, that's, we're, we're, we're bound by that. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that's kind of uh, protected even among the DOD, that the, the, the chaplain is the only entity within the, the organization that has 100% confidentiality with the soldier. So a soldier can come and tell us anything, and we are obligated by law and regulation to protect that, that soldier's information. So we can't go to the commander. We can't go to a first sergeant. We can't tell them anything. Uh, we, we are there to protect that, that, that soldier. And the DOD's done that because they wanted to have one safe place where any soldier could go without fear of being kind of um, found out, so to speak. That they thought they, they want to have one safe place so that, so that the human, human condition can, can kind of come up off the radar and begin to talk with somebody who can, who can help provide that, that guidance or help that they might need. And so when he speaks about, Chaplain Danny speaks about confidentiality, it's not just that we're obligated to protect that, that soldier and their information for as long as they may be in the organization or even, you know, should we, should we long exceed their life? We protect, we take those things that are given to us in confidence to our grave. So the, the responsibility is just that, that great. And so it's, it's something unique to the chaplain corps, and it's something commanders really, you know, really should cherish uh, because it does give a, a safety valve, in a sense, to the, to the units to be able to get some help um, where otherwise they might be fearful to do so. Erskine, I got a question. Are, are you sweating because we're talking religion? Yeah, <laughs> just like, I'm just, I'm just good yeah. old fashioned. <laughs> this, is, this is why we said we needed the fan in the back corner back here. I know, I'm telling you, that's rough. Listen, for the people at home, you don't understand the stress level. What you're in here, with the headphones on, the mics in front of you. It's uh, it's rough. I'm fogging up my glasses a little bit. I mean, we got a lot of stuff going on over here. I can't even begin to talk about it. I'm going to blame most of it on Baker. Though. I, I didn't of know course. if there was something you need to repent and you got your chest. Yeah. You got to go forward. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff I need to oh. come to your office to talk to you about. Without a doubt. I, I uh, know for but, a fact. Uh, now, um, oddly enough, uh, when I first kind of joined the military and I, I figured out that chaplains were in the military with me, I, I thought it was kind of odd. Um Growing up Southern, you know, Baptists and things like that and uh, in the churches and whatnot. And um, I couldn't really figure out why y'all were here, to, to be honest with you, just because I felt there was a conflict and in interest of y'all being here. And I'm right. sure y'all y'all have heard this from other or other people and things of that nature. I did wind up using the chaplain corps early on. I was uh, Air Force originally. And um, I went and spoke with the chaplain, chaplain and helped me through some stuff. And I was like, I kind of was like, okay, I kind of get – but do y'all get that sometimes of, like, why are y'all, you know, here? Is, is there – but y'all kind of touched on a little bit, but maybe yeah. expand just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, for instance, when I deployed in 2011, 2012, um, there is a kind of a feeling out process that soldiers and airmen are going to have with you. They, they'll push you. And they're like, all right, what topics are really off, off limits for this guy or gal? <laughs> and uh, so I would have guys come up to me and say, so 
I've got yeah. this chronic problem about self-pleasuring myself. Uh, <laughs> and, and, yeah, at first you're kind of like, all right, are you, is this serious? Because, I mean, we can go there if you want to talk about that. Right. Um, but then his buddies would just be in the back laughing. You know, so it's like, all right, they're trying to test just to see how far they can push it. But uh, it, take it in stride. And we just take it in stride. And, I mean, there's really nothing off limits that, that people can talk, can't talk can talk to us about. And um, But once they understand that you're there for them and for no other reason than for them, it starts tearing down some walls. I, I had one guy who was a, a – who was a diehard atheist who was having some marriage issues. And I was sitting in the defect and he came up and said, Chaplain, can I talk to you? I was like, absolutely. And he sought out counsel uh, for issues he had at home, not from a chaplain, because to him, chaplain didn't matter. But he, he sought out someone that he knew he could trust and that had his best interests in mind. Uh, so, it's kind of my hope and prayer that they see the cross, but they also see past the cross into my heart to know that, yeah, I'm really there for them. And that just takes time. It takes time to, to build that trust, to build those relationships. And that, that's why our ministry of presence, just going and being with the people is so vital. And it, it's, it pays dividends. It's really an honor and a blessing for people that really may be skeptical for them to be able to seek you out just because they know that you're a safe place and that they know that their stuff stays with you, as Jason was talking about, with the confidentiality. Um, so, yeah, th- there's some skepticism. That, that, And I think sometimes people view us as an insurance policy. It's kind of like, now, why are we paying you? What, what, do we, what, what we're paying for you to be here, but we really don't like paying for you to be here. <laughs> <laughs> until something happens, and they're like, oh, thank God I got that insurance policy of the chaplain being here. It's worth us waiting gold. Yeah. Uh, so th- that's how I think some people view the chaplain corps as you know, we're, we're a supplemental, like, Aflac. Yeah, just kind of a supplemental policy should people need it. But uh, w- once they start looking, they, they hopefully they see more than just an insurance policy or a good luck charm. Well, and, and you, you know, you asked the question, kind of the l- legitimacy of the the presence of the chaplain corps within the DOD complex as a whole. And, and, um, you know, part of that is, you know, in, in, as a, as a service member, you're not, you're not, you, you, um, you don't have freedom to be able to do whatever it is you want to do whenever it is you want to do it. Um, you're, you're, um, uh, have constraints on your time. You have constraints on what you can and can't do. And so in order to ensure everybody's ability to, to uh, live out the First Amendment, to practice their First Amendment rights, um, the DOD or, or the, the, our founding fathers actually kind of uh, said, look, this is the chaplain needs to be in place so that they can ha- uh, experience that free exercise of religion. If the chaplain corps wasn't, a part of the organization, uh, who knows how that would look in or, or, or come to pass in the soldiers' lives or in their families. And so the DOD, the government, has the responsibility to give that opportunity for the service member to be able to practice their faith and to have somebody there interceding for them to, that might be able to provide direct religious support to the soldier or, like in the case that Chaplain Denny said regarding the Wiccan, that, you know, you may not agree with, but he's there to ensure that individual's right to practice their faith according to the First Amendment. And so a chaplain isn't there merely to, they're not there to advance their specific faith perspective. They're there to provide what they can directly to, to service members um, but they're also there to make sure that that what other service members need are addressed. So, so that the DOD has that responsibility by the Constitution to provide that freedom of expression to their personnel. And so that's why the chaplaincy is a part of the military complex. Uh, it's just simply to maintain 
that every American is still able to uh, to practice their faith to to live out. We don't we don't set aside our rights um, when we join uh, the military. We we still have the the expectation that we should be able to practice or to exercise our First Amendment rights as well as our other rights while we're in uniform. And so the chaplain just ensures that. So that's what we are. We're a voice for the First Amendment. And also, we talk about service members, families. I mean, by, by doctrine, we're also uh, supposed to be caring for the families as well, not just the service members. So it, we, you start casting a pretty wide net. And from a guard standpoint, we don't necessarily want to be everyone's pastor, rabbi, father, priest, whatever. We, uh, we want to be that secondary. You know, so should someone not have a pastor. Yeah, we can fill that role, but we are not looking to take the place of their home church or their home parish or their home synagogue, whatever it may be. Uh, so it, it's, but we're there to provide any kind of support supplementally beyond that. Um, now, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to ask a quick question to lead into another question. Now, were y'all, I use the word chaplain outside because you might have been priests or preachers or, or yeah. whatever. Um, but I'm just going to use the word chaplain. Were y'all chaplains before you came in the military, or was this something that happened kind of at the same time? Oh, gosh, that's a whole... <laughs> you, you can make it a quick answer. Yes, I, no, somewhere in between. I'll give you a quick answer. I was I, I was in pastoral ministry for uh, 20 years before I, I came into the Guard. Okay, well, that, that brings me to my, my next question. That's got to be, or was it, an interesting transition to go from um, a civilian chaplain? And, of course, I use that just as a generic term. I don't want to offend anybody with that. But was that a unique transition to go from a civilian chaplain to, to ministering inside of the military? Or was it really no difference one to the next? Well, it, it's, 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 uh, it's very different. In the, from the standpoint of, you know, when I was a pastor of the church in, in where I came from in Winesburg, Ohio, you know, it was, you know, we operated kind of within our faith, uh, understanding of faith, and, you know, wasn't really pressed to be, uh, it didn't live in a pluralistic society. Uh, you know, we were able to kind of more homogeneous in our, in our thoughts and in our perspectives and and kind of what we were doing and what we were about as a as a religious organization, uh, but coming into the the DoD, you got to start thinking bigger in the sense that, you know, I don't need to abandon who I am as a chaplain. I still hold the the perspectives and I still believe what I believe. And the DoD doesn't ask uh, us to not be who we are, but they do ask us to recognize that as we serve in this organization. Not everybody's of the same persuasion as you. And so, you know, without compromising who you are, we still have that responsibility to, uh, to make sure that other people don't compromise who they are, that they can be consistently living out what they believe to be true uh, to the best of their ability. And so we ensure and protect that. So I had um, uh, at Fort Jackson, when I went through my, my Bullock, uh, I had a, an imam as, um, as an instructor. And uh, the imam approached and, and was talking to all of, uh, all of those who were in my Bullock class and said, you know, if, if uh, Chaplain Strong really believes he needs to be able to pray in Jesus' name, then I need to make sure he does that. Because the moment he can't pray according to what he believes to be true— I won't be able to practice my faith as um, uh, the faith of Islam, that that's at risk. And so if I want to be able to practice my faith, I need to make sure he can practice his faith. And that's what the dynamic you find in, in the, the military organization is you, you have that struggle. And so, so the, the reality is, you know, as a, as a pastor, I'm not concerned about necessarily protecting everybody's right to to uh, to the free exercise of faith as a chaplain uh, that's my responsibility is to ensure everybody's right to practice their faith as they understand it to be so it's you know it's 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 very different and so I've had to kind of 
you know, adjust fire uh, in how I do what I do, but yet at the same time, you know, maintain the convictions of who I am, kind of walk that faithfully so. And, and to maybe touch back on something that you would ask about the relevancy of the chaplains and the is there room for religion in the DOD? And you didn't necessarily ask that, but that's a, what I was alluding there was to. An implication, I was yeah, that was and, there. I did. I wanted it to go that way without just being kind of brunt force shoving it in your face, because I think there is some conflict. Sometimes people believe, you know, here's a force that's designed to ultimately kill at mm-hmm. the end of the day, and then you have a religious group attached to them. Right, but and. My answer to that is, who better to understand the human condition than chaplains? Uh, in any sake, regardless of your denomination. Because if you look at uh, the Quran, you look at the Torah, you look at the Bible, whatever faith tradition, there's suffering, there's struggle, there's uh, love, there's uh, all these diff- all the different spans of human emotion encapsulated within these sacred texts. And so when you start looking at that, you start looking at humanity and how they fit within the framework of of a religious structure. And so if you remove religion from it, chaplains still provide a benefit to any commander, to the service members, because we understand the human condition. We understand um, depravity. We understand sin. We understand the guilt. We understand... Um, love, we understand sorrow and suffering and grief and all those things that our sacred text teaches us. And so there's as long as you have people, you're going to have a need to have someone come along and help counsel in areas such as that. And religious texts help provide a context for that, regardless if you're a believer or not. Yeah, so <clears throat> so have you ever been in a situation where you all yucking it up with one another and then the chaplain came around and that all changed? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hence so, sweating. Yeah. So uh you so, see what's going on over there, right? <laughs> so uh, so the reality is a chaplain in the DOD or in the military complex is also uh, to be in a sense a conscience to speak truth to power, to be that prophetic voice um, to those that would be in leadership to ensure, again, uh, or to be an advocate of everything that is good and right and true. And so if the chaplain wasn't present, who, who's going to speak to that power? And it's, and it's in regulation that the chaplain is responsible to do that, that if we don't do that, if we shrink back from that responsibility we fail in one of our one of the charges that is laid at our feet as chaplains. So we're kind of that, you know, kind of that uh, conscience in a sense, or should be a conscience, so that we don't go off the rails as an organization, or that we don't go off the rails when it comes to missions, uh, or that we don't go off the rail in how we treat our people. You got anything to continue on? No. Uh, I think they're doing fantastic. Okay, yeah, they're doing fantastic. <laughs> oh, yeah, you open up a mic to two chaplains. And it's, yeah. it's, it's good to go, right? Um, um, I say, fortunately, I guess, um, as latter part of my career, I've been able to spend more time around the chaplains. I didn't in early part of my career. I was medical, but as public affairs, I've been able to, to see y'all. And one thing I've noticed over the years, especially with all the, the storms and everything that we've had, like, our soldiers and airmen, like, actually, like, love y'all. Um, I've never been anywhere and see y'all walk up and they not get excited or happy or you see their mood change. And I think that's a huge testament because I, I can't say that I know that for active duty side or other states. I, I can't talk on their part because I haven't seen it. But for what y'all have built in the state is amazing rapport with with the soldiers and airmen. And that that's a that's a lot of work. That's not easy because we can be difficult to deal with on a regular basis. <laughs> Say it isn't so. Um, so that's a, that's a little testament to y'all for for everything y'all y'all oh, y'all have done you. and, and done with the state. Um, which brings me kind of the next part. Y'all y'all do run and, and head up a lot of programs in the state and. We're we, I'm not, we don't run. Like, we're, we're very don't, few chaplains run. run. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we may walk quickly. We'll walk quickly. Okay. But. Um, 
Y'all are, it's not a new program. It's a relaunching of a program, and that's the Compass program that's right. coming up. Um, and so I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about that. I, I talked to somebody outside of the chaplaincy about it, and it sounded very interesting, um, and I think it's got some super strong points that maybe people don't know about that they right. need to learn that could, this could be helpful for them in the long run. Okay. And my nose keeps itching. I apologize. That's fine. People at home, they're good with yeah. it. <laughs> Allergies. Yeah. So, yeah, the Compass, I'll, I'll speak to a little of the history about it and, and how we got here, and then I'll have Jason kind of fill in the, the, the content and the context of it all. But Compass uh, stands for Care of Military Personnel and Spouse Support. And uh, by spouse, we mean significant others as well because we understand that not everyone's married, uh, but they may have had a long-time girlfriend, fiancé, boyfriend, whatever it may be. Um, and it used to be called the Post-Deployment Seminar, and we've done 19 of them, 20 uh, of them? 20. Uh, 20. 20. And really <coughs> in the last 15 years since, since our mobilizations have taken off. And it's a model that I don't want to say was stolen because that sounds awful. But it was borrowed? Appropriated? It was. It was, uh, yeah. it was You're a, an E4. You tell us. What would you call you, it? You would appropriate something okay. like that. <laughs> okay. It was a, it was that a, sounds it, official. It was adapted. Oh, it was adapted. Oh, adapted. From the uh, FBI. Okay. <laughs> E4 Mafia. Appropriate. Yeah, so appropriated from the FBI. And uh, by South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, SLED. And this organization called LEAP, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Assistance Program, they've been putting this on. And it's an opportunity for people that have, for the police that have been in shootings, have rolled up on a accident and uh, seen just horrific things. Um, so we had adapted that to the PDS, the post-deployment seminar, for it used to be for people that have seen any kind of active combat, uh, whether they've been shot at or done the shooting or engaged in any kind of critical combat. Uh, so for the first several iterations of the PDS, it was uh, what we had people from the uh, MPs when they lost the, the three and had the, had the five wounded in action. And uh, it's an opportunity for people to process, an opportunity for people to make connections and understand maybe something about themselves through those tragedies. Uh, and... Recently, since deployments have shifted a little bit, uh, you know we're still deploying. We're still going to, but we're not necessarily deploying into those combat zones. Uh, but we've got people that deploy to Kuwait. We've got people deploy to Poland, Germany. Um, you know, all over. All over. Yeah. Um, and we also have people that are here just experiencing life. And so we, we're switching the focus of PDS and relaunching it with Compass because where the deployment cycles have shifted, life still continues. Challenges still happen. Tragedies still happen. Uh, people still get die unexpectedly. People get diagnosed with diseases unexpectedly. So the Compass program is really to help service members and their families and their spouses to really start to understand the challenges that life has, and it's an opportunity for them to embrace those challenges and to come out stronger and better on the end of it. We, we talk about post PDS or PTSD, but there's also uh, something called post-traumatic growth, which happens as a result of tragedies that happen. And, and so, what what this Compass program is about. It's really an opportunity for people to grow through their tragedy, grow through their loss, grow through their grief, grow through their guilt, whatever their shame, whatever it may be. Again, we talked about the human condition a little earlier ago. So whatever those human conditions are, uh, this program helps people get stronger through that process. Well, now, just real quick, jump in there. You said a couple scary words for <laughs> most military members. Uh, you said PTSD in there, and, mm -hmm. you, and you said they're still in their career. So a lot of soldiers, airmen, are immediately going to balk at this idea. If I go to these things, I'm going to be tagged. I'm going to be labeled. You know, this is going to affect my career. It's not worth it. I'll figure out how to deal with it at home. There, there's that whole scenario that runs. I mean, what, I guess, what safety or, or what knowledge part of that makes it okay for them to walk into this situation? That's a great question. Uh, 
there's confidentiality that goes with it. They, they don't necessarily need to tell their command where they're going. Uh, it, it's supported from General McCarty on down. And the people that come, the only way that they pe- other people know that they're coming is if the attendees tell them. Uh, and so it's really up to that service member to let people know what they want to let people know or, or, or not. Um, yeah, and, and, and again, as a program, it, it, <clears throat> it falls under the chaplain purview. It's, it's what we do. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in order to protect the soldier, we make sure that there are certain people that might be mandatory reporters for the organization. Um, we make sure they're not in the room um, to make sure that none of that information is communicated whatsoever. Uh, so we'll, we'll, in practice um, and program, we try to really, again, we will ensure the, uh, the protection of that person and that person's participation in the process. It's the Vegas rules. I'm sure you know all about that. Right? Yeah, whatever goes, yeah. stays. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. I'm tracking that all day long, I know sir. You are. All Speaking day long. Um, now, you mentioned. I, I don't know what you mean. I'm just a chaplain. I'm just a chaplain. I'm just here. Now, you mentioned this uh, post traumatic growth thing. Mm-hmm. And I honestly, that was the first time I've ever heard that yeah, term. I've never heard of that either. Never. Uh, that was the first time I've ever heard that so term. So you hang around chaplains, you get smarter. You get smarter. Um, I imagine there's some tool sets and stuff that go along with that. Or am I incorrect in maybe thinking that? Do y'all, do y'all teach life skills for that type of stuff, oh, or is it just a name? No, no, it's uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, uh, yeah, well. <clears throat> I mean. <laughs> hey, gold, gold is refined by fire. Um, and there you go. So, you know, you go through things, and, um, and the design is that we kind of come through that, um, better than what we were w- w- before we went into it. doesn't mean what we've gone through is, is easy or, um, or uh, pleasant, but that the compass is designed to, to help soldiers, to help their spouse or significant other understand that, that there can be some redemptive uh, activity brought out of even going through those traumatic events. So, you know, what we do in the program itself is we do, we have very few, well, with Compass, kind of very few kind of plenary sessions where everybody's in a big group and we're given some information. But a lot of the work is done in a, in a small group kind of setting where we work together with um, peers, that is people who've been there, people who've gone through trauma, people who've been in, in, in the dark place of life, and they have acquired, as you said, skills, coping skills or strategies by which they could kind of begin to work out of that hole and find success and purpose and meaning and value and kind of, kind of really grow past where they have, have been. They're, not, they're no longer stuck. And so those peers are a big part of meeting with the, the small groups where they just basically will facilitate some of the discussions around, around key keep pieces of, of information. Like they may, may talk about uh, trauma in and of itself. We talk about, we use the word trauma, but what is, do we really understand what trauma does? What, what that really means? How, how do we really understand its effect, the physiological effect that it could have on us? Well, it's, it's just kind of as a group beginning to talk through some of maybe the things we think we understand uh, but may not really understand, or we may we may think we understand it, but it, it doesn't seem to fit us. Well, when we talk about in in the small group trauma, we talk about um, you know whether it's mindfulness, you know, a way to kind of take yourself kind of out of the past, uh, where we can often uh, be depressed. Sometimes we're anxious because we're looking in the future. Well kind of that mindfulness is something we'll talk through with soldiers about how to just come back to the present because that's where we all live life. And you're not going to live if you're stuck in the past or you're anxious about the future. And so we'll, we'll have different opportunities for folks to, to talk through techniques and, uh, and strategies by which to just kind of make sure we're, we're living in the present, um, that we're living life, not, uh, not, um, at the mercy of what comes. Uh, 
So we'll, we'll talk through those kinds of things. We'll provide, we'll have uh, uh, some uh, uh, mental health professional staff present so we can offer some therapy or offer some one-on-one counseling should somebody want to, to utilize that to kind of help process in a more intimate way some of what they're being exposed to. But we'll deal with things, too, regarding relationships, maybe how to, how to communicate better. What are, the, what are the aspects of communication? You know, sometimes when we go through trauma, we don't, you know, we have a tendency to kind of want to isolate or shut down, and we don't know, we don't know how, how to communicate anymore, or there's, just that, 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 there's a block that takes place. We'll talk through some of that, and what are some strategies, or what are some things to be mindful of uh, so that we can actually begin to uh, make progress in our relationships. So the relationship itself uh, doesn't suffer as a result of that trauma. So we'll do we'll deal with some of that stuff. We'll deal with you know give some information around the the value of 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 some medicines. I mean, you talk about you know the stigmas. If if this is known, what do I do? So so with the Compass program, what we're trying to do is make sure that folks can anonymously ask a question of a legitimate doctor and say. You know, if they have questions about a medication or questions about how does this affect us, that they can actually hear from a, a doctor, you know, how these things affect them and, and what might be the, the fallout or what they might experience as a result of taking, you know, one medicine versus another. It just kind of gives them an opportunity to, to kind of uh, just gather a better, a better picture of what they might be experiencing as a, as a person. We'll talk about um, in the in this um, compass program. Though we'll kind of end it with a uh, the, the the search for meaning that we all have. Uh, you know the purpose. Um, I think it was Nietzsche who said anybody can get through almost any uh, any how as long as they have a why a why to live for. Um, we can get through just about anything. Um, and, and the reality is, is, is we try to say, let's take a step back and let's really ask some of that bigger purpose kind of questions of our lives. Because if we're focused upon our why, we can get through this. There's hope then. If we have a why, there's a hope and that we can find a path forward together. You know, I, and, and I, was, I was thinking as you were, talking Jason I'm like oh my gosh why would anyone want to go to this it sounds like it's like a, a deep heavy heady kind of weekend and I'm volunteering my time to go to this oh. thing but John it's it's it's, it's army training it's got to be good <laughs> right. I mean yeah I mean you, you snicker at that here's the here's the kicker is it is army training and yet a hundred percent of participants in typical army training um if you, if, you had a, if you had all the people in, uh, go through a typical Army training, my guess is you would not have 100% of the people saying, I want everybody I know to go there. But in the... I can answer that question. I can answer that question right now. In the last, um, the last uh, several of these that we've done, 100% of all those who have attended, 100% have said, they would strongly encourage everyone around them to attend this. And others themselves had said, you know, some of them have said, I want to come back. You know, they maybe didn't get to bring their spouse or their significant other. I want to come back with them to have them experience it. Again, it, it, is, it is heavy in a sense because right. it, it's, the, the, it's touching some really tender parts of who we are as a people. But yet those that have come... And what we've what we've tried to do with this with this program is to make sure that it's it's really meaningfully meeting people where they are. I mean, as chaplains, I would I would hope that this is true. We like to love on people. You know, we love people. You know, it, it's not not always people aren't always easy to love, but we love people. And this is a program that that yeah. <laughs> well yeah yeah that's right, but. Um, <laughs> But this, this program, what, we, what, what our design is, is simply kind of by meeting people with where, where they really are at, not playing games, but really meeting them where they're at, 
kind of in a way wrapping our arms around them, saying, we, we love you. You don't have to go through this alone. There is hope and there is help. And so we try to make sure that, you know, we give people information about what they might be experiencing, give them opportunity to kind of get it off their chest, to ventilate some, and then we provide for them real tangible coping skills to kind of do that and offer them the support that they need to be successful for themselves. So they're not always just, again, operating without hope, that they're not alone. And uh, that's, what our, that's what our people in the past, that's why we've had 100% of all our attendees say, absolutely. And, and of those participants, we've had a good number who have told us, um, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I'll tell the percentage, but we've had a, a very strong number who have been compelled to come. I.e. voluntold. Yeah, they, they, would never, they, would, they would never have come on their own. Yeah. But those people are a part of that 100% who are said, I am so glad I came, and I would recommend this to my peers. So, and understand that trauma, I mean, some people may be looking at this thing and say, well, I feel like I've had a traumatic event, but it's not as bad as my neighbor down the road. Trauma is a sliding scale. I mean, it's very subjective. So what you may, if there's an issue, maybe it was an ugly divorce. To someone that may be a, a huge blessing, right? <laughs> <laughs> but to others, it's like, man, that, I, I can't get over that. I, there, there is something about that I just can't get over, and so one person's blessing is another person's trauma. But so understand that it's not you. The the trauma is very subjective when we're using that word trauma. So any kind of life changing event that has happened that you just can't reconcile or shake or uh, bring any resolution to, this is a, a good program for them to be able to come to. So I guess to, to find out for, for these folks who do want to come, um, what's the process, who they call, when's it happening? Is it annually, biannually, every weekend, what? Well, we're in the process of doing two a year. Okay. The, the funding for it uh, allows for two per year. And then we're also in the process of doing another that's called, well, we haven't really come up with a name for it, but called Compass Light right oh, now, okay. which is for people that have already been through the process, but kind of want a refresher or, or since they were, here's what happens. If we're being real. <laughs> what happened is. What happened. So when people come, they're voluntold to come. They spend the first four or five hours ticked off, PO'd, and sitting there with their arms crossed, stewing over what the heck am I doing here? And so they miss a good part of it because – of the attitude they brought into the room, which I get. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. If I was voluntold to do something and I, I'm going out here to this place for, and the command never really told me what it was about, I'd be a little upset. Uh, so, But what starts to happen is as they get into the process, they start seeing the, the efficacy of it. They start seeing the value of it. And then a light goes on. And they're like, ah, got it. But in the meantime, they spent half the time stewing and being bitter about why they're there. And so then the, this compass light is for an opportunity for those people that maybe whose spouse didn't go through because they're like, no, my command's telling me to go. You just stay here. Uh, it's going to suck anyway. Uh, it's an opportunity for them to go through, back through and, and re-engage and get maybe some, some refresher on some items that we discussed. Uh, but not to the depth or degree that we initially went through it in the Compass program. So right now we're doing two a year. And, uh, again, we're looking to rebrand it, remarket it, just because in the past it had been somewhat stoic. I mean, you hear post-deployment seminar, right, and for critical combat and trauma. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, but, but Compass, it, 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 it's what we're looking to make it more inclusive. We're looking to really help the spouses and the significant others understand that there's a place for you at the table. You're the one that oftentimes is experiencing the brunt of what's going on with your service member. Uh, and, and it's an opportunity for, for people just to get away, retreat, to have some one-on-one time. If, if, they're, if they need some relationship tune-up or they're struggling in their relationship, we have counselors there that, that can help in that process. So it just... It, it, Cover, it's a wide net that we're casting uh, that 
that again, as Jason said, 100% of the participants are saying, yes, I got to go. So as far as getting enrolled or? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was really my original yeah. question, but that's, that's uh, fine. You went, you went uh, I got you. I'm pulling you back real quick. So, so we, uh, so we have a, a cup, like Chaplain Danny said, a couple of these a year. Um, we just had our last one um, in August, the end of August, and uh, the next one is scheduled for February 28th through March 1st, that weekend, that very last weekend in February of 2020. That's the next one that we have, um, and uh, really. They can uh, contact myself, they can contact Chaplain Denny, and uh, we would be happy to get them, you know, start rolling on getting them a registration form. Uh, part of that is we want to get information about them, and we want to we know what do they want. You know, we, we have this idea of what we, what we want to be able to provide for them, but we want to actually listen to the people that are there, um, and we want to provide for them the training address some of those issues for them. You'll see uh, on a registration form, you know, we've, we've asked them, hey, these are the items I, I want you to address. Um, communication still, skills, maybe I'm dealing with conflict resolution issues or anger or identity issues, sleep concerns. You know, whatever, or Chelsea, they're dealing with loss. Yeah. yeah, well, here I'll just leave. I'll just leave this form right here for you. Yeah, we'll there you that. go. There you um, go. There's a little something for you after the show. But again, it's it's about we as a, as an organization, and it's not just the chaplains here. This is our the adjutant general. We want to listen to who our people are, and we want to meet them where they are. We want to scratch their itch, and so the only way to do that is by knowing them. The other thing is. We want you to come, but we want you to come and leave your uniform at home. Mm-hmm. You know, we rank rank doesn't matter um, in this environment. We 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 want you to be there, and we want your spouse to understand that, uh, or your significant other, that they that they have that place, the legitimate place at that table with us. And um, and so uh, we we want to leave the the soldier at home, and we want the person to be present. So. Um, so we'll we'll, uh, we'll ask the spouse though, the same thing, or the significant other. We'll we'll ask them to fill out a registration form, and we'll begin to to get information, move information back and forth. So if they want to contact either Chaplain Denny or uh, or myself, uh, Chaplain Strong, uh, they can do so either by email or phone or however else that we can get the information out. And there's no cost, and people probably sit and say, "Well, yeah. I, I got to pay for this thing too." No, no, and. and uh, and they're actually on orders. They're on orders. They're on orders. So you're getting paid to come. Yeah, you get paid to come. And per, <coughs> per General McCarty, you know, this could be a, this is, could potentially be a split train opportunity, which again goes back to your co- question of confidentiality. Right. But they don't necessarily need to tell anyone. Just hey, I'm going to a program endorsed by General McCarty. I need your split training. Got it. Uh, so, and the the only problem, the only caveat, no child care provided. There's no child care, and part of that's by design because we want, if it's a couple, we want that couple to have that quality time without having to worry about the stress of little Joey is biting little Vicky. Yeah. yeah it just, <laughs> what we, want, we, we want to try to eliminate as many distractions as possible so f- people can focus on themselves and those that bring their spouses significant. Significant other. There you go. There you go. Thank you. Um, on on what's important. Not that kids aren't important, but within their relationship. Makes sense. Well, this has been a ton of information. I'm sure there's a ton more we could talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Where do you, where do you want to go? <laughs> well, I think where we go is maybe into another podcast. Oh. Um, <laughs> so there'll be three views. There you go. <laughs> no. Um, no, y'all do great once we get y'all on there. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people that tune into this, and I think it's going to be a good spot to, to get the information out about the program and, and kind of push it from here. Um, I do like the idea, of course, depending on how y'all schedules look in the future as we go through this. Um, I'd love to have y'all back on kind of a, a semi-regular basis. Yeah, I was telling Chaplain Denny that... Uh, you, you do not have to say <clears throat> yes to this idea. I, I told him, I said, <laughs> I would love to have a podcast where you bring a couple, you bring two or three chaplains in, Bring somebody. Just just ask them a question, yeah. and just have a 
you know, a bull session. Just kind of, just kind of uh, see what questions come from the field. Ask the chaplains. Yeah, we can. Do um, it. it would here. be. I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah. You know, ask them about their whatever <laughs> foods, whatever. I don't care. Theological yeah. question. Yeah. How do you reconcile being a soldier? Yeah. Um, you know that with your faith. Uh, yeah, I, I had a, I had a, um, one of my uh, eleven bravos. I just don't know that I can. Mm-hmm. Can can do that because the Bible says don't murder. Yeah. So how do you? Yeah. How do you do? How do you, do, how do you reconcile that? So you know, because I think there is a lot of information that soldiers and airmen have out there that they 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 need answered, and unfortunately, um, we might not always have the time to get in front of y'all. Not that y'all don't have time for us, right. but in in a format like this, this is easily reachable. They can watch on their phones. They can watch at home. They can watch with their families. Mm-hmm. I mean. It's it's available. It's in a closed area. They don't have to be around other soldiers, airmen, their workers, yeah. or anything. So I, I think this is a I think it's a good opportunity for everybody sitting at the table. Sounds so, good. Yeah, it, it could go so good. But we're also going to be on the record. <laughs> yeah. come, come on now, don't don't be like that with me. Don't be like that with me. Um, so. Thank y'all for taking time out of your schedules. Oh, no, thank you. um, And talk to us about this. Um, Can I just ask a favor of Jason? Can you do a long-distance dedication, please? And this long-distance dedication goes out to Specialist Erskine. (laughs) (laughs) And it is with love (laughs) from above. (laughs) So, I I don't know. We might wind up losing our job to him. (laughs) At least me. Um, but anyway, so yeah, once again, thank y'all for coming in. We look forward to having y'all back in in the future. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity and for the platform. Appreciate yep. what y'all yep. do. Yep. Thank you. Thanks. So I'm glad that Chaplain Denny and Chaplain Strong was able to come in and talk to us about um, this Compass program. It was a lot of good information. Yeah. And, it, you know, it. like I said, it, it, it's going to be a good program for mm-hmm. people. I never heard of, I forget the program, what it was before. Um. Post-deployment yes. seminar. Yeah, I, I never heard of no. heard of it, but I think it's definitely a good program um, for spouses, family, anybody that just needs somebody there to help guide them. Yeah, you need some work on some stuff. And, and like they said, you know, it's you don't have to tell anybody you're going there unless you want to tell them that you're going there, you mm-hmm. know, type thing. Um, it just, just another program that shows, you know, the guards out there trying to help. They're trying to give you resources. If you're having these issues, uh, it doesn't have to be your your fight on your own. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you still have your guard family here, and and they just they keep innovating and 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 uh, bringing new products and and new options out there. I think this is a, an excellent one. Uh, and and like I said, you know, this is something that stemmed from other organizations using similar type thing so you know it's obviously some benefit and the fact that you know everybody says that you know they would recommend a friend which is a good thing yeah because that's hard that's hard for military people we don't like recommending i know we don't like to admit that there's something wrong or that we need help or or that we want to go to training yeah that too (laughs) i mean not to say that's like training but that's what people a default they're like oh it's a military thing it's training yeah you know that's another weekend but yeah, it sounds good. It sounds helpful. Yeah, it sounds like some good information that um, anybody who's interested, reach out um, and see what it's, experience it, see what it's all about. And it might be something helpful and it might not be, but I mean, it'll be a lot of good information for whoever gets to attend. And um, don't think that like a lot of topics we talk about, especially here on the podcast, it goes back to the stigma. And I feel like hopefully with talking about all these different programs and having people come in that we can break that stigma because you're not alone. Everybody goes through problems. Nobody's perfect. So that's why we have these programs in place to help people and to get you the help that you need. And there's, and that's not saying there's anything wrong with you because everybody has their issues. Yeah. Right. It's like I said, it's another tool. It's another opportunity. It's something there to help you. So, um, just take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's better to, do and not need than to sit there and just suffer or watch things slip away from you because you're not willing to go get the help. So, um, as always, remember to like, subscribe, 
hit the notification button. Still looking for 500 <clears throat> subscribers. Not quite there yet. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully now that we're trying to change a few things, we'll. Yeah, we'll yeah. If, if you haven't been to the to the YouTube page in a in, in a little bit, um, uh, jump back over there. We've we've reorganized things. We've changed up banners, uh, a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Making it more visually a- appealing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We're trying to refine <laughs> the, the delicate sensitivities of our palate. I don't even know if that makes sense. But <laughs> it sounded good when I had it rolling around <laughs> in my head. Um, yeah. No, we're just trying to make things easier for our, our viewers and, and more visually appealing for y'all. So, and then of course on on iTunes, you know, by all means, subscribe to our the podcast through iTunes also. Um, and once again, comment and and give us feedback mm-hmm. um, so we can know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong. Uh, if there's topics or people uh, that you'd like to potentially get on uh, the podcast and, and find out information about, then, yeah, you know, let us know so we can work it, so we can see if we can get it done. Yep. Well, I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Specialist David Erskine. And we'll catch you in the next episode.